Welcome to the Girl Gangs Podcast, hosted by Alexis Adams and Amber Patchelock. We are NPC bikini and wellness competitors on our road to pro. In our podcast, we're going to share everything from the good, the bad, the do's and don'ts with the hopes of helping anyone who may be new to the sport. Get ready for some serious girl gangs. Hey, hey, what is up? Welcome back to the Girl Gangs Podcast. I'm Amber P. I'm Alexis Adams. And today's episode, we've got a fun one. We're going to be talking about bodybuilding myths. So just a couple of things that we have both heard throughout our time of competing. I'm sure you guys have probably heard too and are wondering. So we're going to go ahead, jump right into it. And we're going to go down our list. So the first thing we have here, Alexis, are breast implants. What are your thoughts on breast implants? Do you need them? Does it help? Does it matter? I don't think they're necessary um of course any amateurs out there if you're watching the um national circuits the pro level both in bikini and wellness so many people have breast implants some people got those during their fitness journeys some people had them prior to even lifting anything at all um Some people say that they are required to place well, and I am here to debunk that. Um, Boobs are not a muscle. They're not judged. The only time I've ever heard Sandy say that they are judged is when she scores down because they're too large and they throw off aesthetics. Um, I've seen plenty of people qualify for their pro cards without boobs, Um, and there are even some top tier, um, bikini athletes that don't have breast implants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Laura Lee Chapados, she doesn't have breast implants. She got second at the Olympia. Um, Jennifer Dory, she was placing well in the top five in the Olympia before she got hers. Doraja Hill, she was doing fantastic prior to. So it's definitely not something that is required. However, I know sometimes it can be very difficult because no, it's not required, but it can help with shape. And that's not to say you need to run out and get it. That's just what I have seen, you know, just through observation. And the one thing is that you want to make sure, like if you are considering doing it, do not do it just for the sport of bodybuilding. Like I'll talk about myself in particularly, like my chest has always been one of my biggest insecurities. And then as soon as I got into bodybuilding, I started prep and I realized very quickly, I didn't realize that my boobs could get any smaller than what they already were. And I was just like, whoa, (laughs) okay. So it's something that I've kind of been going back and forth with myself. Like I said, I've been thinking about this since my God, way before even bodybuilding, but If there's something that you truly want for yourself, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But also keep in mind, if you don't want it in your competitor, it is not necessary. You do not have to have it. Right. And there are some pros that have gotten breast implants because they felt it was necessary. They felt that Mm -hmm. for the shape they needed it. And that's all well and fine. Um, But if you ask the majority of people who have implants, it was something they planned to do anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. it's exactly what you just said. You already had a small chest and then you get into fitness and you carry a lower percentage of body fat across your whole body. And unfortunately guys, boobs, natural boobs are fat. If you don't carry a lot of fat, 
you're not going to have much chest. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot of women value that as something that is important to them aesthetically. So to each their own, but please remember that breast implants is a major surgery. You are put to sleep, they're cut. You can't do a lot of things for several weeks after the surgery. It's a very large healing process. There are complications that come along with it. Um, it's not something to do just because you are infatuated with the bodybuilding lifestyle right now. Absolutely. And then something else I've noticed too, like there's a couple of competitors that I've seen where when I look at them, all I see is boobs because they're just so big. And that is not at all what you want either. So you want to make sure like if this is something that you want to do, like Alexis just stated, please think about it because it's very serious. You want to make sure you're going to a good doctor and you want to make sure that you're going to get a size that is proportionate for your body structure. So just because your favorite pro has a certain size, doesn't mean that that's the size that you may need for your body as well. Right. And I think that's also something to take in consideration rather than the average population, which breast implants are very popular, not just in bodybuilding. They're popular across all women in the United States right now. Um, but something that the average population doesn't have to think about is normal life off season versus stage lean. You can have boobs that look great on your body and they're larger. And then once you get to stage lean, everything on you is smaller except for your implants. And then, and I know, you know, some pros that you've seen on stage, you're like, why are there boobs that in the off season? It looks fine. Right. And then it's just like a stick with a chest. It's like, whoa, that looks weird. All right. So that was breast implants. The next one is going to be something that I feel you don't hear many females talk about in general, especially in bikini and wellness. Like I've heard like women's physique competitors talk about it, but PEDs are PEDs necessary to do well. Especially because our audience right now is amateurs, new competitors who have never stepped on stage. No. I just had someone message me yesterday, has never competed, has reached out to a coach. This coach that she reached out to told her that she wouldn't, there's no point in her even trying to compete if she was not willing to take PEDs. I told homegirl to run because that is not bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Of course, they are used in the NPC and the IFBB. You're naive to think that they're not. Um, But it's up to each individual person, just like with creating the physique that you need on stage, training in the gym every day, your training is geared to your physique. And the same thing is true, in my opinion, for PEDs. Not everyone needs the same thing. There is not a protocol that will get you to to the national stage faster. There's not one thing that's going to work for Amber that's not going to work for me and vice versa. Um, It if that was an avenue that you go down, it needs to be something that you understand, you understand and are comfortable talking to your coach about. Um, but it's not something that is required, mandatory or needed to get to the top. I agree a hundred percent. Like we definitely are more, more so focused on amateurs. And if it is your first time getting on stage, that should be the least of your worries. 
Like you still have so many more things that you need to focus on. Like you got to build your foundation first. Like you probably need to put on some muscle, like the first year to two years that you're lifting, those are your newbie gains. So that is when you're going to gain the most muscle mass. And within your first season, like you need, like I said, you need to make sure you're lifting. You got to get, you know, the meal prepping, just the whole routine. Like that should be something like if you choose to do that, it should be way, way later. And then if you do choose to go that route, you need to make sure that you have a coach that knows what they're talking about. Because the thing is, there is a way to do this. You want to make sure that they understand. First of all, the female body is complex. <laughs> so there's that. The female body is complex without PEDs. So then you throw PEDs in the mix. And unfortunately, there have been so many people that just got so jacked up from it because they didn't have a knowledgeable coach. Um, your coach, if you have a good coach, they're going to tell you, you know, pros and cons, what can happen because it is a risk, but you also have to be okay with that. And it, this all goes back to just making sure you have a solid coach. Is it something that you need in the very beginning? No, but something else you need to keep in mind too is if you do choose to go that route, that doesn't mean that's going to be easier. You still have to work just as hard. You still got to prep the meals. You still got to do your posing. You still have to lift. You still have to diet and you still have to do cardio. So don't think that just because someone is taking PEDs that it's a shortcut. There are no shortcuts to bodybuilding. So don't look at that as a way to just automatically, you know, get the quote unquote success within the sport that you think you want or need. Correct. Um, I think something else to take into account here is that PEDs don't outwork your work in the gym. They don't outwork your diet mm-hmm. in the gym. Um, they don't outwork your sleep schedule and they don't outwork genetics. So yeah. if you have a strong genetic structure, you don't need the same things that someone else is going to need and vice versa. So if you are someone who is, has, you make the personal decision, never going to use them, not interested, not your thing, completely fine. Also take into account that they are, people do use them in the NPC and the IFBB. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's, naive to not take into account that they are used um but it's not something that's going to get you to the top quicker correct correct it's a the whole thing is a formula with some genetics (laughs) that's that's basically it in a nutshell (laughs) all right so the next thing that we have on the list here is do you need long hair If you follow me, you know, my stance on this. Absolutely not. I am the short hair, don't care kind of girl. I have worn a wig on stage and I've talked about it briefly before I believe in posing and presentation and the wig looked pretty. It was great. There was nothing wrong with it. It was just a personal preference for me. I just prefer to have my hair short. That is how I feel the most confident. But here is the thing that you have to keep in mind. Okay. If you are a girl that has, you know, short hair, um, understand that when your hair is short and I'm talking right now, like pixie short, like mine, your full face is on display. So therefore, you're quote unquote, I mean, you're already practically naked on stage, but you don't have any hair to hide behind. So if you are rocking a pixie or a bob on stage, you you better make sure that first of all, your makeup is on point, Um, skincare routine for everybody regardless. And you want to make sure that your hair is just polished regardless of if you have, you know, a TWA, a short pixie natural cut like me or whatever the case may be, you always just want your hair to be polished. Now, 
if you do have short hair and maybe let's say you're someone and your upper body just leans out too, too much, then yes, you do probably need to cover up your back because in bikini, your back is not judged. So it's hard because I know for me, I am someone where the upper body, I can be four weeks into prep and the upper body looks like it's ready already. And then as I keep going, my back does get really shredded. Um, I have learned to pose in a way so that way every muscle in my back isn't popping out. But if you're just so, so lean, then yeah, you might want to get some extensions or a wig. Yes, agreed. Um, Your hair... I don't think it needs to be long versus short. I think it needs to look good on you. Um, Not everyone looks good with long hair, especially a more petite person. Your hair doesn't Mm -hmm. need brushing your glutes. Doesn't need to be brushing your glutes anyway, but it doesn't need to be so long. It's obnoxiously there in present. Um, Your hair needs to be healthy also. So I see this a lot with, bleached hair now I am not versed in the hair colors and styles and all that that amber is but I can tell you that bleached blonde broken fried hair does not look good on stage the girl is gonna look much better with four inches cut off than leaving it because she wants the length and having some crispy ends on stage in her back pose that just it, it doesn't look clean Bikini and wellness is very much an overall look. Not only does your physique need to be on point, your peak into that show needs to be on point, but your hair, your makeup, your tan also needs to look good. Mm-hmm. And going back to what Alexis was saying, like I tell my clients this in salon, I would rather see shorter, healthier hair versus long, jacked up, unhealthy hair. So Make sure you're getting your trims. And then for my girls that do have, you know, longer hair, you do not want your hair to touch your glutes. In fact, you want to be able to see that gap between your waist and your glutes, because I have found that when you can't see your waist because the hair is so long, it really takes away from your shape. Like, I know that's something I'm just so, so just really particular on with Alexis. Like the day before show, I'm like, hit your back pose because her hair grows so freaking long her, her hair goes fast it's gonna be so freaking fast so I'm always checking to make sure that the hair isn't covering her glutes because we work hard for the glutes okay <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with having long hair but if you're on stage and it is touching your glutes you need a trim period yes um now some people have short hair and they love putting extensions in yeah and make hair for stage I know a lot of people like to almost have a alternate personality on stage. If that's mm-hmm. you, that's fine. If you're the opposite and feel like an imposter, if you put a wig <laughs> on, you don't need to wear a wig. That right. look comfortable on stage. So if you walk out there with a wig, not looking like yourself, not feeling like yourself, you're not going to perform mm-hmm. practicing for the last 16, 20 weeks. Um, Absolutely. Now, Ed, like Amber said, if you have short hair, In our divisions, our backs are not judged. However, if they can see a super lean muscular back, it can pull you away from looking and following the criteria of that division. So if you are someone who poses with short hair, you have a bob, you have a shaved head, 
You just have to alter your posing to make sure that your physique is fitting the criteria of wellness or bikini or whatever you're competing in. Yeah, absolutely. And that was my main reasoning why I wore a wig last year was because my very first show, I was lean. Like, and of course, I didn't know how to pose, but between me not posing and being ridiculously lean, it was too much. At my first show, I probably should have had the wig on just simply because it was too lean. So I took that information, went into Junior USA's, didn't realize I wasn't quite as lean, but I was just like, well, just in case, let me make sure. And like I said, it was pretty, but I didn't feel like myself. At the end of the day, if you feel comfortable and more confident with your long hair, you need to do that. If you feel more confident with your short hair, you need to do that. Sandy says it all the time. Like, they can tell when you're not confident on stage. So you have to do what feels right for you because there's no right or wrong answer. Like Alexa said, it's not a matter of long versus short. It's what makes you feel the most confident. Yes. And then ultimately, of course, as newbies, we have to find what works for us. And I think this is going to go into our next um, little bullet point about suit color. We'll touch on that in a second. But Yes, you from show to show, as you are continuing to get your feet wet, you're getting more experience on stage. We change things just with our physique. Yeah. We, might, or we might see curls versus straight, longer versus shorter. However, dramatic changes, in my opinion, from show to show is very mm-hmm. hard for the judges to give consistent feedback to you because it's going to change the entire look. Um, like blonde hair to black hair or extremely long to extremely short or the opposite. Um, And also the judges are human. So while they have certain criteria to follow, they also recognize faces. Um, Mm -hmm. Nice faces on Instagram and you follow your favorite athletes, um, follow people to get tips from the judges recognize people that they've seen their faces over and over. So if you go into one show with a purple suit and blonde hair, and then your next show, you're in a red suit with dark hair, you're going to like look like a completely different person. That yeah. might be a, a great change for you, um, but it's going to be a huge risk. Just like you wouldn't go into one show super flat and depleted on purpose, and then the next show two weeks later, you're bursting full and completely pumped up and expect the same result. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And speaking of consistency, suit color. Like Alexis said, we're, you know, at the beginning, I mean, hell, I'm still trying to nail down my look, you know, greatness takes time, but you don't need a new suit color every single time you compete. In fact, I highly advise that you do not do that because suits are expensive. You want to make sure that you have a color that pops well on your skin tone and something that I didn't consider my first show was I had a red suit and on my regular skin tone without a tan, it was fine. But once I tanned and protein has more of a red undertone. So my dark skin and my undertones, I have more of a golden undertone. And so with the red undertone of the protein and then my pro and then my protein suit and then my red suit, it didn't look the best on stage. So taking that information into consideration, you know, my next suit, I did a blue because I realized, oh, okay, it was just a learning thing. You know, I didn't realize, I didn't think about, oh, well, you know, when picking my suit color, how is this going to look on my tan skin versus my normal skin? Yes. So the new suit color thing, um, here's my opinion on it. 
So as new people, of course, we're trying to find our look. However, new people, as far as suit colors and constantly changing, I know it's, you go through a competitive season, you're all excited, you take your off season, you come back the following year and you want to revamp everything. New look, new suit. That's what I used to say. That's not necessarily necessary. Um, I also thought it was kind of an expectation. If you're getting on stage, like, so I used to do pageants. Now there, you did not wear the same gown. (laughs) (laughs) It was frowned upon. Um, However, there you are not only there for the competition, you're also representing designers and there's a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. So that's what I thought. You go into a show, you wear that suit, it's one-time use, you get another one. Fortunately in bodybuilding, that's not the case. It's an overall package. The suit color just needs to complement you. It's not something that is graded specifically. Like you don't get a feedback. Suit needs to come in two inches on top. (laughs) 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 Um, So as new people, as we find the look that best suits us, it's okay to change your suit color, especially if that is something that you get in feedback. Um, Mm -hmm you are yellow skinned like me and you try wearing a yellow suit on stage, Sandy's going to tell you not to do it again. Mm-hmm. So yes, you spend $600 on a suit that you're not going to wear a second time. However, once you find something that clicks, stick with it. Don't change something that's not broken. Um, I was listening to Ashley Kaltwasser's podcast yesterday and she mm-hmm. wore green from like 2012 to 2020. Yeah version of green yeah she got new suits as the old ones got old because you can't wear a suit for 10 years and expect it to hold up (laughs) but that same that that color was her color she didn't need to go off into purples and teals and just go crazy just because she could she found something that worked and it she kept with it and it got her pretty far yeah absolutely so it might take you two or three tries to find the color that works for you. And that's okay. But once you find it, just roll with it. Unless, you know, the judges say something about it. But if the judges don't say anything, it's working, it looks great on you, then you should definitely stay with it. And the next thing that we have on the list here is, do you need a popular coach? I will be the first one to tell you, no. Um, Everything on Instagram that glitters ain't gold, okay? And there are so many coaches. And you got to keep in mind that coaches are only going to post the best athletes, which as they, you know, that's their marketing. You know, that's how they get more athletes in. But you do not have to have a popular coach, a coach that's well-known, a coach that's a pro. I mean, honestly, I think that probably some of the best coaches are probably the ones that aren't well-known and they're just, I mean, underrated. Like, I think your coach, Nelson, is underrated personally. That's just my opinion. Nelson is dope. So please don't feel like you have to be on a team. Like before I wasn't on a team and I'll be real with you. I was very, very hesitant about it. When I joined Fit Body Fusion, I knew from the very beginning when I started, I didn't want to be on a team. (laughs) I just was not feeling that. I just, I don't know. I didn't have a good 
I, I, it just didn't sit well with me. But the reason why I went towards Fit Body Fusion was because I was following a bunch of the athletes, not realizing it. And all the athletes seemed to be, from what I could see on social media, because keep in mind, social media is a highlight reel. But a couple of things that I noticed, everyone was happy everyone was healthy. Those were two big things for me. So that was the reason why I went the direction that I did. It wasn't because of, oh, I want to be on a team. Like I never had the desire to do that. So please keep that in mind. And just because someone is a big name coach, they might be fantastic. But if you don't click with them, you have to click with your coach because it's a very intimate situation. They're seeing you in your check-ins or you're looking like a crackhead. It's just, you got to be comfortable. That's what matters the most. Yes. Um, in my opinion, the best coaches you hear about word of mouth and not on freaking Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. and I encourage you to do your research. Once you hear about a coach, go to their Instagram, contact them, go to their tagged photos and contact the athletes that are tagging them in their photos. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to their actual athletes, get their perspective, see how their plans are structured, see how they receive feedback. Um all of that stuff, because that is where their coaching really is going to be shown. Um, In my opinion, a coach is only as good as their least genetically gifted athlete. Ooh, that's good. Of course, of course, an athlete with good genetics is going to go, they're going to have changes and transformations much quicker than someone who is Mm -hmm. not as gifted and it's going to take that person more time. Um, however, that less genetically gifted person, if they have a relationship with their coach, um, which is going to be based off both the athlete and the coach, if the, if the relationship is able to be built there and time is put in that also going to have amazing results. Um, your coach should be someone who you and reach out to. Um, I know that there are some big name coaches out there that don't want you to ask questions. They mm-hmm. want you to questions, they give you a response, and then you don't get anything back from them until the next week when you send your check-ins again. Um, nothing else is to be expected from them. You can text them. They probably won't text back. That's a red mm-hmm. flag. And granted, I am very privileged with Nelson. I can ask any kind of stupid question. He's not going to make me <laughs> feel like it's it and going to give me the answers that I need in order to grow from that point and right. learn, have more knowledge in my bank. Um, but if you have a coach that just wants you to go through the motions, doesn't really want you to understand why you're doing something or how it's going to benefit you, that's not going to help you grow over the years. Yeah, no doubt. That's a hundred percent. That is key because, and again, I'm biased. Um, I, I've seen it with Nelson and of course my, I'm coached by Jordan and just the care that they put into their athletes. Like Alexa said, like same thing. I can ask Jordan a question and she is going to give me a Bible verse long response. She is going to break it down and she's going to be like, do you get it? Do you understand? Yes. And that is what it's about. Um, same thing. I was, I wasn't sure how it was going to work at first. I was very hesitant because with Jordan, she's a bikini pro. So I'm just kind of like, how in the world are you a pro? You have all these athletes and you're able to give everyone attention. I don't know how she does it, but she does it. She does it because she's passionate about it. You know, Um, I understand that that is not typical for the average pro 
that has competitors. I'm very blessed in that aspect because she just competed um, last weekend at the Hurricane Pro, which she won, shout out to her. And she also had other athletes competing that day at the Hurricane Pro and then another show, I believe, in Texas. So you want to make sure that your coach isn't someone who is just going to say, first of all, do what I say and keep it pushing. And you want to make sure that you're getting a response time. Those things are very, very crucial. Right. Um, And then again, with the popular thing, you need to determine what is popular. Popular yeah. is the amount of followers they have on Instagram. People can mm-hmm. buy followers on Instagram. And if you don't know it, like if you don't know what to look for, you it just looks like they have this huge following. They must be a great right. person. Right. Um, also, some coaches are popular because they have rosters that are way too big and they cannot give attention to all of the athletes that are on their rosters. If one person has 600 athletes and has no assistant coaches helping them, there's absolutely no way in freaking hell they are giving all 600 athletes the attention mm-hmm. they need, no sleep and would be ha- their phone would be connected 24/7 because their phone would be dead. Like it's it's not going to happen. Um so just because they have a ton of athletes that's also not a reason mm-hmm. to trust them with your bodybuilding career. Absolutely. I remember when I had my phone consultation with Jamie, she's the head of Fit Body Fusion. I didn't even realize that Jamie had coaches under her. So in my mind, I was going into it thinking, oh, okay, well, Jamie is the coach. And she straight up told me, she's like, no, 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 I have coaches under me because I can't do it all by myself. And I was kind of like, Oh, okay. So she was the one that placed me with Jordan. But the fact that she said that to me, like she has a big team, but she's also smart enough to understand I can't do it by myself. Like, I don't know how some of these coaches, like you said, that have rosters of 600 people to me, like a lot of people are slipping through the cracks. No, it's not possible for someone to give their undivided attention a hundred percent to everyone. And that's even so, so with lifestyle clients too, like I feel like some coaches, and this is just from me standing back, looking at the background, like they have lifestyle and prep coaches, but I feel like some of these coaches, they do kind of put more emphasis on their prep coaches and the lifestyle people just kind of get left by the wayside. And I'm just kind of like, that's not cool because lifestyle that's you're changing someone's life forever you're taking someone who is probably maybe not in the best of shape maybe they're obese and you're trying to get them to a healthy body fat so I I, I'm I'm just mm -mm. if someone has a lot and I'm talking like a lot of people you might want to really really reconsider and you can never go wrong with just asking questions and if you're asking questions and they're not giving you good answers then that's a huge sign Right. And if you are brand new, you need someone who has the time to respond to your yeah. tech. Now, there are like huge coaches that have a lot of um, pro athletes. Some of them can manage a massive roster because their athletes are at an elite level already. They're that's, not. Yeah, that's different. Ask, what can I sub instead of chicken? Or what. Yeah. I do if I run out of this, you know, like those are things that I already have under my belt after doing this for three years. Mm -hmm. However, when I first started, my coach still had the time to say one English muffin equals this many oats equals this many rice. Rice. Okay. Thank you. You know, like 
little questions like that, or my knee is hurting in this exercise. What can I do mm -hmm. instead? Still going to get me the same result. You need someone that can answer those questions or it's going to hold you back. Yeah. I've even heard some coaches and I think it's very honorable. And I love when people are just honest. I've heard some, you know, coaches say, Hey, if you're a newbie, I'm not for you. And I think that's dope. Like be realistic because of where they're at in their coaching, they don't have time for that. And at the very beginning, when you were starting out, like, oh my gosh, like I just think back on some of the questions I was asking my old coach Lauren, because I had no idea because it's a lot. And the thing is, you need someone that has the, not only the time, but the patience. They want to educate you. They want to teach you. That's key. Exactly. And then last but not least, should you win a regional show before going to nationals? I can speak to this because I am someone who has never won before and I went to nationals. Now, I understand why someone would say this and I understand why someone like me who has not won but still went to nationals. If you are starting out and you've never lifted before, you don't have any athletic background, and let's say you do a regional show and you win and your coach is saying no, it's probably just simply because you need to build and that is okay. When I started, I wasn't someone that had zero muscle. I had some muscle just from being a competitive cheerleader and for coaching gymnastics for seven years. So just constantly lifting people in the air jacked me up pretty good. Did I still need to work on things? Yes, absolutely. But I also understood that for the average beginner, I did carry a little bit more muscle mass than the average person. So that's why I chose to go ahead and do national. So my first show, I actually didn't even qualify. I came in third place. That was 2019, October. So 2020, when I started prepping, you know, the COVID year when everyone was basically in prep for a year, <laughs> don't recommend doing that either. They gave, they changed the qualifications. I believe they made it top five. So at that point, I felt like, well, you know what? I'm qualified. I think I should just kind of take a chance. It was just me wanting to see if I could hang and I came in third place. So that's not bad at all. Now, second national show, I didn't place. And maybe we'll talk about that at a later episode. But if you are someone who maybe you already have a little bit of muscle mass, and this is more so I'm speaking for bikini, because I understand for wellness, it's a little bit of a different ball game. But if you're someone who already has a little bit of muscle on you, and you're a bikini girl, and you know, you win your class, you get overall, you qualify, and you feel like you want to see if you can hang or if you just feel confident enough to do it, I say do it. But if you are someone who maybe you don't have enough muscle mass, maybe you weren't the most confident on stage, you need to work on posing, don't do it just simply because national shows are expensive and that will be an expensive experiment. Yes, I think it's important to, one, what are your goals overall? Um, mm -hmm. What do you personally consider a success? Um, now, me going into it, my first prep, I only wanted to do one show ever. I just wanted to be able to say that I did it. My husband did it. I wanted to experience it. That was it. Had no intentions of ever competing, prepping again. 
um, wanted to be a normal person after my first show. And here we are three years later, <laughs> of course, that sector yeah. changed. Um, however, my first show, I won my class, all the classes that I entered did like novice and all that fun stuff. Um, did another show two weeks later, won my class, did not go to nationals that year because me personally, I wanted to go to nationals when I had a chance to hang in the top. Um, the two shows that I competed in were smaller. I think there were like eight or 10 girls in both of my classes at those shows. Um, and the competition that showed up, I mean, I was a complete newbie, did not take an off season prior to going into a prep. Um, I knew that the competition I would face at a national level show was very different than what I had at the two shows that I did do. And to me, it wasn't worth spending the money. Um, I, my mindset, there was no sense in me going to a national show just to get my feet wet. I had no interest in that. Um, so if I had gone, I would not have considered it a good experience. I wouldn't have considered it success just mm -hmm. going experience. Um, I wanted to be able to hang. Knew that I couldn't, took the time off. Um, now, one thing that I have heard is a lot of people say is you should win an overall mm. before you go to nationals. Now, that is also, in my opinion, not a good myth because yep. you can win an overall at a small show very easily. <laughs> nowhere near what will be successful at a national show? And if you go in thinking, if I win an overall, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And you go in that overall and think you're ready and then have no one to tell you otherwise and go into a national show thinking that you can win and get last call outs, that is going to crush a little bit. Um, it's not going to be a good feeling. So I think expectations are very important. Um, now, in my experience, I didn't go to nationals my first year. I took some time off, came back, did a regional show thinking I was bikini, got fourth place because they said I wasn't, pivoted, did wellness at the same show, won the overall, but there were like eight wellness girls total in my, class, in my show. Um, so yes, I won the overall, but what did I actually beat, you know? Um, right. However, we were still planning the national show because I wasn't even going to do that regional show that year. I just jumped into it last minute, went to the national level and did well in wellness. And now here we are. Um, so I think in general, it's a good rule of thumb to win your national or your regional show. However, it's not an end-all be-all. If you don't win, it doesn't mean that you aren't necessarily ready. It might just mean that you need tweaks, you need time off and come back. Mm -hmm. um, and if you do win, it is not an end-all be-all. It does not mean that mm -hmm. you are ready and you're going to do well. It just means you are better than the people that showed up to your regional show that day. Absolutely. Because there are levels to this, you guys. That's what you got to understand. Like There are levels when you look at the physiques for a regional show versus nationals versus the pros all three of those looks are very very different so it just basically comes down to understanding that understanding the criteria and then also when you're planning your shows strategy is everything you want to make sure that 
you are planning your shows in a way that makes sense for you so that you're not prepping forever like we did in 2020. (laughs) Yes. And talking about strategy. I think here you said last but not least for the last one, but I think this is important. Go for it. Bodybuilding myth. You should only stay 10 pounds above. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) I know there are some pros that preach it. And let me break it down for you. One, yes, sometimes you can improve in a deficit. Sometimes you can build muscle in a deficit. Um, What comes into play there? your experience, whether or not you're able to hold the same intensity that you did in your off season mm-hmm. Two, genetics. Can you actually build muscle in a deficit? Not every single person can. And those that are genetically inferior probably cannot. It's been proven that in a surplus, you can build muscle. Surprise. Now, that surplus is going to be different for everybody. It's going to be easier for a smaller framed girl to be in less of a surplus, put on less excess fat, and still improve. That is going to be different for everybody. A five-foot girl, 10 pounds above stage weight, is significantly more in a surplus than a eight-girl, 10 pounds above stage weight. They're not going to have the same amount of success in that offseason if we're sorry. Hold hold on. Likewise, everyone puts on tissue differently. So granted, yes, in your post show, you don't want to add 10 pounds in a week. That is not muscle. No. Um, (laughs) However, if you are two months into your offseason and you're already at your 10 pounds above stage weight, And now you are so focused on staying 10 pounds above stage weight. If your body wants to grow and you're not allowing it, you're holding it back. You should not put on an excessive amount of fat. No, because that's going to make your next prep more difficult. And you're just going to be focused on getting the fat off. However, everyone's growing weight is going to be different. So please do not focus on one number that you feel you have to be at. Um, I know for me, I was so hyper-focused on that my first year, my, and every time I reached that 10 or 15 pounds above, I wanted to prep. Hence why we're taking this long of an off season. However, I'm about 20 ish pounds above stage weight. My last stage weight. Um, I've had the best gains I've ever had. I'm growing the fastest I ever have. I feel good physically. Um, and I, know that ultimately the next time I get on stage, the goal is not to be 129 pounds again. You know, Mm -hmm. if you are putting Mm -hmm. on muscle and you are trying to have better conditioning, you don't want to be the same as you were last time. Otherwise you really didn't improve. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a good one. I don't know how we missed it, but I'll go ahead and tell you to my team tall girls out there. I'm five, eight class H. If you are a tall girl, you're in class H, 10 pounds over stage is nothing. It is not enough. I can go ahead and tell you right now, you're going to need to be more than 10 pounds over stage weight. If you try to maintain that, 
I can tell you it is going to be hellacious. We are taller, which means our bodies just need more food. (laughs) And nine times out of 10, we are amateurs. We need to put on more muscle to fill out our body. When you are tall, it is a beast to put on tissue. The only way you're going to do so is you're going to have to go into a surplus. It's so frustrating because I'm, I was the same as Alexis. You hear so many people say, you got to stay 10 pounds over stage weight. So my stage weight last time was 134. And so 144, that's nothing in the grand scheme of things. Um, before I quit, my last prep at the beginning of the month, I was at 144. And let me tell you, I was feeling it. My last off season, Jordan pushed my ass so hard. The highest number I saw was 161. And let me tell you, that was uncomfortable. It was hard. I was force feeding. However, as I was prepping, my physique was totally different. She told me that we're probably not going to be 134. She's thinking I'll probably be somewhere between like 136, 138. And at first I was like, absolutely not. That's not going to be a good stage weight. I need to be lighter. But now that I look at my body and I see the muscle that I put on, I'm like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Because if you put on good muscle, then yeah, it's okay if the weight is up on the scale for your show day. But you also got to keep in mind, judges don't care how much you weigh. Like it's a physique contest. Yes, we use the scale as a tool, but they're not saying, oh, how much did she weigh when she woke up this morning? They don't give a shit. They're looking at your body against others. Who shows up with the best body? But please, if you are especially a tall girl and someone is telling you that you need to be 10 pounds above stage weight and maintain there, absolutely not for me right now like I'm in a little bit of an interesting place because like I said we called off prep at the beginning of October and then two weeks ago or maybe three weeks ago we decided that I just wasn't going to compete at all this year and so right now I'm just kind of at a holding phase so I am only three pounds up from when my last prep check-in was which that's not bad we're just kind of holding and maintaining and then we're probably going to start cranking things back up towards the end of the year but where I'm at right now like I'm not doing cardio so and that's going to vary for everyone else not doing cardio we're slowly pushing food up because guess what I now have the opportunity to grow and we're going to utilize it so if the scale goes up a little bit more it's totally fine now are we trying to do like a killer off season like we did last year and pushing back up to 160. Absolutely not. I'm just kind of in a maintenance phase. So a couple of things to keep in mind when you're a tall girl or just in general, don't be afraid of the scale guys. So now of course, if 10 pounds above is where you feel good, you're making changes there. You're seeing the results you want. Please stay there. You don't need to push food just so that you don't chase the number either way. Um, Mm -hmm. I also, just want to make it one more highlight. A lot of the people who are staying significantly lean in their off season, yep. 10 or 11 pounds above stage weight, they're pros. They're making they small build. They don't mm-hmm. need to put immense amounts of tissue, especially in bikini where you can easily max out. They're mm-hmm. just changing shape at that point. And that is completely doable in, in maintenance calories or a minimal surplus. Um, yeah. But if you make big moves, um, you are trying to maximize how much tissue you can, you can put on in a certain amount of time before you start another, um, prepping phase, you might be more than 10 pounds above and you shouldn't feel shame because Susie with 
10,000 followers said so. Correct. Correct. Us amateurs, you guys, we are not the same as the pros. And even the new pros, you know what I mean? Like, we're talking about seasoned pros like Ashley K. Ashley K does not need to put on any more muscle. She, she doesn't need to. So unless you were at the place where you don't need to build anymore, different story. All right, you guys. So that is going to wrap up bodybuilding myths. We appreciate you guys listening so, so much. Please, if you ever have any requests or anything you want us to touch on on the podcast, you can send Alexis a message. You can send me a a message and we will add it to the list. So you guys take it easy and we will talk to you next week. See ya.